You know the age old story. What do you do when you lose your job unexpectedly? How do you survive? How do you make it? How do you do the thing that only you can do so well? Let's talk about that today. Hey y'all, it's Robert Kennedy III, RK3, that's me, and welcome back to another episode of the What's My Story podcast. So glad that you are here with me today. We're going to have another phenomenal guest, but before we jump into our guests, I want to make sure that you know what's going on. I want to make sure that you're hanging with me on a regular basis, so do me a favor, boop, head on over here, text me, 410-936-4049, you'll get all of the scoop You'll get all of the information about when we're going live, what's happening, any special deals or any special gifts that we have happening. Make sure that you text me 410-936-4049. If you want to be a better storyteller, if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, and you want to gain more visibility and even more sales for your business, join me in the Storytellers Growth Lab. That's where we talk about how you can use video, how you can explore the techniques and the technologies of storytelling in order to help you gain more eyeballs. Let's do this thing. Guess what? Finally, I know we do this every Monday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or is it daylight time? One of the times, I don't ever remember what the daylight savings time thing is, but you can join us on the East Coast, whatever time it is on the East Coast. Join us at 1.30 p.m. (laughs) Eastern for this podcast. And this is video, but every Thursday at 7 a.m., we release the audio version of this podcast because there's so much goodness in this podcast. All of the guests that come share amazing information. And so we want to help you repeat that, replay that, rewind that by doing or downloading the audio version of this on Thursdays. And you can do that by going to what's my story podcast dot live, or you can access it anywhere on Apple, on Google Play, on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, all of the places, your favorite podcast network, Stitcher, wherever you access your podcast, you can grab the What's My Story podcast audio version there. So let's do this. Let's jump into our episode for today. My guest, Tom Singer, guess where his first job was? He was a busboy at the Big Yellow House restaurant in Southern California. He was a five-day returning champion on the $25,000 Pyramid Game Show. You remember that show? I forgot the, the host's name. I suppose we'll talk about it a little bit in this episode. He's also authored 12 books on the power of business relationships, presentation skills, sales, networking, entrepreneurship. He speaks to corporate, law firm, and convention audiences. He's also the host of the popular making waves at sea level. That's C as in the letter C as in C level. Get it? Ha ha. Let's do this thing. Tom Singer, welcome to the show. How you doing, my friend? 
Robert, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on What's My Story. Yeah, we're so glad that you're here. Man, we had a great time. I know you and I connected some weeks back on another podcast, and I'm glad that we were able to do that. And I said, man, it was so nice. Let's do it twice. Let's have you here on the What's My Story podcast. So tell me a little bit. We, you know we've got to go back about this uh this big yellow house restaurant busboy gig, man. <laughs> you know, I was 16 years old and my dad said, when you turn 16 in this family, you have to have a job so that you can pay for your own stuff as far as yeah. like, you know, going to the movies or going bowling or whatever you do when you were yeah. 16 in the 1980s. And uh, one of the people in my drama class worked at a restaurant called the big yellow house. And yeah. they were looking for another busboy. And I, I signed up and that was my first job. And I worked there for about a year. And then I got my first lesson in business. And that was the entire restaurant chain went into chapter 11 bankruptcy. And I wow. showed up one day for my shift and there was a chain on the door and like, Ouch. you know, tape saying this rest, this location is closed. And I never got paid for that two week period that had just happened before that. So that was uh, a wow. great lesson that uh, sometimes things don't go your way. And sadly, little did I know, I would be laid off several other times because of companies that were having financial issues that weren't my fault. But uh, yeah, that was my first job. Wow. So man, I think we're already, we already have a theme that, <laughs> that we're establishing for this show. So you didn't, it's not even the age of cell phone. So you didn't get a call from anybody to say, hey dude, don't come in. Um, so outside of just the bankruptcy stuff, are there any other lessons? What, what, what do you remember? Is there anything that you pulled from that time that you're like, yeah, I, I still use that as a lesson to this day. So I got, I got two things. I had been working there a few weeks and the manager was watching me and he came up one day and said, you're really slow at bussing tables and wow. you can't be slow. We got to turn the tables. And he explained to me sort of the economics of how a restaurant worked that I, I didn't know. I'd just eaten at restaurants. And so uh, he taught me how to bus a table and yeah. I got really, really good at it. And so I, I learned that if you're going to do something well, you got to work hard and you got you to keep it moving. Second thing yeah. I learned is when we would do Thanksgiving and Easter and Mother's Day, we would have all these big families and they'd take one bus boy to help the waiters as a food server. And what yeah. I discovered was instead of working for two waiters doing their sections, I could work for all eight waiters running the food and the waiters would tip the bus boys out. So yeah. I realized that instead of getting tipped by two people, I would get tipped by eight people. So I made like four times the tips on those busy days that the other bus boys did. And so I kind of kept that to myself and I volunteered to do it. And the restaurant was a two story restaurant and I was six mm -hmm. foot three. So you'd take the tray on your shoulder and go up. So you had to be tall, which eliminated a lot of the other busboys anyway. But uh, wow. I, I figured out a way to make more money in that restaurant on the big holidays. And that was to be the food runner. And one time I couldn't do it. Somebody else did it and told everybody how much money <laughs> could be made. And then it became like a lottery and all that. But, wow. you know, for that for that first, you know, six months of that first year, I, I realized that, you know, don't tell everybody everything. Yeah. So in essence, what you're saying is you figured out something that allowed you to get paid for those two weeks that you ended up not getting paid anyway. <laughs> I probably made more money in the first six months running running food on the busy days than I than I lost in that last two weeks. Wow. Wow. So I also read in your bio, man, that you were on the twenty five thousand dollar pyramid as a 21 year old. Tell me a little bit about that experience. 
So I grew up in Southern California and I went, I went to mm -hmm. college at San Diego State University, which yeah. was two hours away from LA. And if you ever watched game shows back in the 70s and 80s, uh, at the end of the show, they would say, if you're going to be in the Los Angeles area and would like to be a contestant, call this number. Yeah. And I lived in a fraternity house, but I was an early riser, which meant I was up at 9 a.m. So I would yeah. get up and watch. I would watch the $25,000 pyramid and I'd play along. And the guy whose bedroom was off the TV room would come out and he'd be like, what are you doing? Cause I would be screaming answers at the TV, like dog, <laughs> giraffe, elephant. And he's like, do you have Tourette's? What are you just screaming? <laughs> and so he started getting up with me. This guy, Don started getting up with me every day and he'd watch it with me. And yeah. all of a sudden Don's like, you're really good at this. We got to call the number. And so Don encouraged me to call the number. I drove to LA, I auditioned, I got chosen for the show. And wow. I ended up being a five-day returning champion. I won $20,000, a trip for two to Brazil, a sailboat and a stereo, and I was 21 years old. Wow. Wow. So, man, you've got a knack for this thing. You've, you're turning restaurant gigs into four-time income. You've got this $25,000 pyramid story. And now you leave, you finish college, you do whatever it is, and then you go to work in corporate. And you mentioned earlier that you then got laid off or you had the unfortunate experience of having jobs not continue several times. So what's the next time this happens to you? Oh, gosh, I'd have to think of, of the next time exactly. But <laughs> I, I went I went into corporate America and yeah. I moved to Austin, Texas, and the economy of Austin went up and down several times. And so yeah. I was in sales and in marketing jobs, but yeah. companies would close they either close their Texas operations or they'd go out of business altogether because of some economic downturn. Mm -hmm. And, and I got laid off, but I was really engaged into networking and being part of the community. And when I would get laid off, companies would start calling me. What I learned was that if you're really engaged and you help other people, when, when mm -hmm. that economy bumps along, uh, I had one company create a job for me. They're like, you're available. We're going to create a marketing job that they'd never had. Yeah. It was a law firm. And I became the marketing director for Texas for this really big national law firm. And that, that sort of changed my career. But it came about because the company I was with closed their Austin office. And wow. the law firm was a client. And the law firm was like, wait a minute. We want him teaching our team how to network, how to sell, how to be engaged. And you know, 20 years ago, law firms didn't have business development and salespeople. Wow. They do now. But 20 years ago, I was like a unicorn inside the law firm because I don't have a law degree, but I was working side by side with the lawyers to get them clients. Yeah. So you're you're finding out these things. I think it's fascinating, man, that you are you're working and you're you're making all of these little discoveries as you go along about how to maximize or how to leverage or how to change the benefits to you of the regular systems that you're inside of. Does it occur to you during any of this time that you could be doing this on your own? Yeah, I mean, I think I always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial like desire inside of me, but I never mm -hmm. really knew what, what form that was gonna take. And so yes, right. it occurred to me you could do it. Plus, when you work for companies where managers make bad decisions and the company right. closes, you start thinking, wow, maybe I could make better decisions than, than, than them. So right. uh, I did know I wanted to do it, but I, I wasn't sure what it was going to look like until probably 15 years ago when I decided I wanted to become a professional speaker. I was working for a uh, consulting firm as their director mm -hmm. of marketing, and the, the owner knew I wanted to become a professional speaker. And so she actually negotiated with me 
a little less salary, but three extra weeks vacation time that I could use to be mm. able to go out and, and speak uh, for other companies. I couldn't speak to anyone who would be competitive. Uh, right. And when I spoke locally, I had to speak under the banner of her company so that it would be kind of good PR. But I was writing a book and doing some things and decided someday, someday I'm going to take the leap and, and become, you know, become a solopreneur and become a professional speaker. I just right. wasn't sure when that was going to be. Right. So uh, let's dig into that just a little bit. So you were able to you had this other thing that was in your mind and you were able to negotiate or set up with your employer a way for you to be able to do it at least part time until you move to that next season. Maybe there are people that are listening to this who are maybe they're still in corporate or they have some other goal. Is there anything that you can share with them that would enable them to figure out how to set up that negotiation or what can they do to really begin positioning themselves to move to that next space? So th this came up while I was negotiating to join the, the consulting firm. And mm -hmm. the woman who ran the firm, she was an entrepreneur and she saw the entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. And she said, you know, you want to be a speaker. You want to do that. What's it going to take? And I said, it's going to take about four years. I'm going to write a book. I've got to right. do these other things. And she said, okay, why don't you come work for me? And I'll make you a deal. I'll let you, instead of having to take vacation time, I want you to have vacation time with your family to be able to go and right. travel. I had young children. And she said, but what if we negotiate the salary down and you get three extra weeks? And the agreement was, if I was traveling to, I don't know, New York or California to give a speech, mm -hmm. I could do it. But when I wasn't on stage that day giving the speech, I was still working. So I had to be attached via, you know, uh, via my laptop and my phone and stuff like that. So I could be accessible to the company because yeah. I was the director of marketing. But uh, it was great because she had an entrepreneurial spirit. She likes to help other people. Uh, and so we kind of had this thing that for like four or five years, I was going to be her marketing director. And then when my speaking business took off, I would be able to to make that move. That's that's not the way yeah. it actually happened, but that was the plan. And my boss yeah. was on board, on board with it. So let's talk about the way it happened. So we're coming into our theme here where you've said several times in your career, you've had the mishap or the unfortunate happenstance of being pushed out or your your company ending before you were ready or before you planned. So I want to talk about this final time before you decided to go into full-time speaking. But before we do that, let's take a quick break from our sponsor.
If you're a small business, a faith-based business, and you need help with growing your brand, making sure that you are on point, especially as it relates to video, make sure that you get connected with Composition. Visit them at yourcomposition.com and tell them RK3 sent you. All right. So let's jump back into the story, Tom. So you have been, you have this sweet setup, actually. You got this idea. Most people don't know what they want to do, but you have you have two things that you want to do and you're working on one of them and you're working towards the other. And you've got this suite set up where you're able to do the next thing with the permission of your boss. And you are working this out. You've got a schedule in your mind in some way here. But yeah, things don't they, always go according to plan. No, there was a thing called the Great Recession. So in 2008, <laughs> the economy took a little a little hiccup. Uh, yeah. By 2009, we were kind of in free fall, and it was April 1st, 2009. Mm -hmm. Now, for the record, the irony of being laid off on April 1st has never been lost on me. But it was <laughs> April 1st, 2009, yeah. and, and I got called into my boss's office, and uh, the company had four locations, about 100, 120 employees, and that day she was laying off half the employees. Now, to her wow. credit, she was able to save the company, get through the recession, and the company is now in many more cities. It's much bigger than it was back in in uh, uh, you know in the, in that year of yeah. of two thousand nine. The company is is recovered, so she did the right thing as a business owner. But she laid mm -hmm. off half of the staff, and and the head of marketing was one of those people. And yeah. so I I was sort of shown the door. I called my wife and I said, I just got laid off, and there were no jobs for like you know you know mid level marketing people. They just there just were none. Yeah. And so I said, all right, I'm going to go pursue this dream of being a professional speaker. And from that day forward, I had to sort of pivot, change, grow, push. Uh, and I'd love to say it was easy, but, uh, you know, that's that's what I did for the next 12 years. Wow. So uh, let's let's talk about the April 1st for a second. So as this conversation is happening, what are you thinking? Are you literally thinking it's it's an April Fool's joke? What, what are you thinking as this as your boss is saying to you, hey, yeah, unfortunately, we've got to go this direction. Yeah, this person wasn't someone who would do an April Fool's joke. So I pretty right. much knew we, we were we were set for that. And, yeah. uh, you know, little company, there really wasn't much severance. Um, yeah. There were some projects I was working on. So she did hire me back like for a couple hours a week as, as a consultant to finish off those projects. But for the yeah. most part, I, I was put out into the world all by myself. And so what I was thinking about was I have two children. I have a mm. mortgage. Uh, we had already paid for half of a, a trip to Europe a couple months later that was non-refundable and I needed wow. to be able to, you know, pay for that. There were a lot of things going on all at once and, and I had to figure it out was what I had to yeah. do. So yeah. I was just thinking, go out there and be scrappy. Yeah. So what did you do next? What was, what was the next, what came to your mind as the most important thing that you could do next that was going to provide some value for yourself and your family? I think what worked out well for me is the thing I was an expert on, what I spoke about was how do, how do, in this world where everything at that time was starting to go digital, social media, likes, links, shares, and follows, what I taught then and, and what I teach now is about how do you make connections with humans where it's a win-win relationship. So I had a great network. So the first thing I did is I just started calling and emailing everyone I knew who was influential and right. telling them my situation and you know asking for advice. And, and looking for for thoughts and nuggets and ideas and concepts of what I could do. So because mm -hmm. I had, I wasn't at the time, but I had spent five years working inside two big law firms, one of the things I did and had been doing 
was coaching lawyers on business development skills. So I reached out to every law firm, you know, in the state of Texas that I could find and either yeah. talked about doing individual coaching or coming in and doing a training for their associates on on why do you network? How do you do this? How do you build relationships? And that led to to banks and other people calling me. I also uh, spoke at conferences and because this was the message about how do we connect meeting planners during the recession were freaking out because they needed people to come but in every industry people were losing jobs and I had a message it was about how do you connect better and why and then when I speak at a conference I do a thing where I I flip it around and I say I have an idea let's make yeah. this conference a human laboratory and I would teach people kind of how to network while they were there the next three days so meeting planners were really concerned during the recession about connection because that was right. why people belong to trade associations. So I reached out to trade associations. I called myself the conference catalyst that if mm. I spoke at your event, if I say, yeah. and I still do, if I speak at your event, people will network better. People will understand how to make that happy hour, not just about cheap cheese and free wine, but how, how do yeah. they make it about really starting the basis of a relationship? So yeah. I also had the advantage. I wasn't charging that much yet because I was new and they weren't spending a lot because it was a recession. So the, the, the stars lined up and I started to get work and it took about a year, but all of a sudden I got my income back up to almost what I was making in corporate America. And then the second year right. I was able to achieve that. Wow. So you, you were in, you were in the marketing space. So I think maybe there's some things with regard to selling that came a little bit more easily to you or that you understood differently for somebody who's not necessarily in that space. And you are thinking maybe about speaking and you're possibly laid off or they're put in the same situation that you are. What were some, what would be your advice to them? What is one or two, what are one or two steps that they can take initially, especially if they're not 100% clear. Well, you, you you bring up a very good point. And that was, I had a 20 year career in sales and marketing, and mm -hmm. I had already built a, a pretty good network locally and beyond. And so right. I think that if you want to become a speaker or any type of entrepreneur who's going to work for yourself, if you're going to be a solopreneur, no matter what it is you're doing, you have to realize that you're that thing, whatever it is. In my case, it was a speaker and master of ceremonies, mm -hmm. but you're a salesperson first. So yeah. that means that you have to look for who are the connections, who are the people I know, who can introduce me, who can talk me up, who who will be willing to to forward something or retweet something or do things like that. So you you have to always be working the angle of how do I promote myself? And for a lot of people, the idea of sales, self-promotion, it, it gives them that little ick in the pit of their stomach. <laughs> and, it, and if you're hearing yep. me say that, oh, you've got to be a self-promoter and, and a salesperson first, if you felt your stomach go ick, then yeah. you're going to have a hard time starting a business because you can't really outsource sales when you're a speaker or a solopreneur. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so when you say, and I know that's the, that's not the answer that a lot of people want to hear that you shouldn't be in, in business, but they might want to be in business. They just have not experienced that uk or what to do to get over. Is there any resource? Is there anything that they can lean on to help them make that jump or that transition from icky to yes, let me do this? Well, yeah, because first of all, we live in 2021 now. So we have the advantage yeah. of the fact that all you have to do is Google information about sales and marketing for small business, you know, how mm -hmm. to become a salesperson. What do you do? And there'll be so much information. You could never follow it all. But the problem is, there's a lot of information that won't resonate with you because in order to be right. successful in sales, it's not one size fits all. This is the thing people don't understand 
companies will hire someone to come in. When I come in and speak to sales teams about their network and, and, and growing their brands, I talk about the fact that what works for Mary isn't going to work for Bob. So you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to find the pieces of information from all of these sources, all these books and videos. Find the sources that work for you and then do them. The problem is people get overwhelmed and say, well, I can't do that. So then they do nothing. There's not yeah. one way to build your reputation, your brand and get sales, but there's one way not to do it. And that is to not ever take action. Wow. Wow. So I'm looking behind you on your wall and I see Tom Singer and I see the podcast making waves at sea level. How did you begin to do the podcast or what was in your mind when you first began to do podcasting as it relates to branding yourself or putting yourself out there a little bit? So I would love to say I had thought it through and knew exactly the right way to do it. I had no idea, yeah. but I attended a conference and at the conference, one of the speakers said, if you're ever in a rut, the best mm -hmm. way to get out of the rut is to interview 25 really smart people. So wow. originally I was going to do it for my blog and do written interviews. Someone said, oh, you should start a podcast. So seven yeah. years ago, I started the show. It was originally called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And the reason was I wanted access to entrepreneurs yeah. who were shaking things up and doing things. And I right. found that when you have a podcast called, you know, making waves at sea level like it is now or cool things entrepreneurs do, a lot of business people will say yes, especially seven years ago where podcasting wasn't as popular. So right. uh, I started doing the podcast as a way to learn, but it started also spinning off speaking business. So I was wow. about six months into it and I'm like, well, I, this has to be more than 25 weeks. This has to be you know, an ongoing process because people I would interview would find out I was a speaker and bring me in to mm. talk to their company or people yeah. who listen would do the same thing. So it became a marketing tool. It originally was an education and networking tool. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, we're getting lower on time here and I wish we could dive into the whole podcast idea and getting on stages. But what is the final word of advice that you would give to people who maybe have a similar career trajectory or finding themselves stuck in some ways in corporate, but know that they need to spread their wings in some way, or they know that they need to spread their wings, but then they're kind of pushed out of the nest, so to speak, unexpectedly. What's what's the biggest piece of advice that you would leave with them? So using my career as an example, from the and, and this is true of any industry, but we'll use <clears throat> the speaking business. From the outside looking in, it looks like one thing. So people think I'm gonna start a business and they start copycatting what other people are doing. When you get right. on the inside, what you discover is it's very different. We don't know the nuances of an industry until we're working in it. So if you wanna mm -hmm. get into any industry, you've gotta be scrappy and you've gotta be willing to follow what the clients want and what opportunities are out there. So in, in you know the Great Recession, I started off, I started by doing coaching and focusing on law firms and that grew to conventions, et cetera. Now, during mm -hmm. the pandemic, the onstage speaking business, which by the way, was all of my income for the most part, mm -hmm. went away. So now I went back <laughs> to doing coaching and yeah. I now host three podcasts because I have 700 episodes on my own show. I'm an mm -hmm. experienced interviewer. I'm now paid to host three podcasts for associations and companies, and I'm actually looking to pick up three more. So wow. I didn't know you could be a paid podcaster. I didn't know yeah. that was a thing, but there were people who wanted to start a show and they didn't have anyone on staff who had the energy and the interview skills, and we figured it out. And so if you want to make that leap, you've got to open your mind, listen to ideas, take the stuff that works for you, let go mm -hmm. of the stuff that doesn't, but realize that when you get through it, it's not going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. 
Wow. Wow. That is awesome. It sounds like you could actually teach a course on how to be a podcast host for corporations or something like that. <laughs> maybe maybe I, I, you're thinking I, I, about I, that already. I, well, I probably could. The, the trick is I, I need to figure out how to how to get three more clients first. I need to I need to maximize <laughs> out my my own uh, my own world of hosting these shows. But it's a lot of fun. And I host shows that are out of my area of expertise. I host Love two it. shows that are in technology and mm. I'm not a technologist. I don't know that technology. So I'm learning every single time I host an episode. Love it. Love it. Tom, where can people connect with you online? We've been putting your website underneath you, TomSinger.com, but maybe there's another place that is home base for you as well. No, TomSinger.com is the best place to find me. And then I'm on all the social medias and it's at TomSinger, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. Love it. Tom, it's been a doggone pleasure having you on the show. Just hang out for a few moments in the green room after we end this and we'll, we'll wrap up here. Listen, it has been fantastic talking with Tom. I don't know if you've been listening, but I have gained some gold nuggets. Hopefully you have too. I want to share with you, if you are in the situation where things happen unexpectedly, if you have job loss, if you have something that is taken away from you outside of the time that you expected it to be, then it's time to push ahead. It's time to change your perspective. It's time to get outside of yourself. It's time to begin looking at what is it that you do well? What are the talents that you have? And how can you leverage that so that the world can be better? Find your $25,000 pyramid. Find your yellow schoolhouse restaurant. I probably said that wrong. Whatever it is, find something in your experience that allows you to be able to be unique and transform the world. As I say at the end of every episode, your story is unique. Everything that happens to you in life is your stuff. Your stuff is your story and your story, yeah, your story deserves a stage. I'm Robert Kennedy III, RK3. I'll see you for the next episode of the What's My Story podcast.